My name's Jean and this is my dear friend Phil and we're going to be talking to you today about an interesting concept, an interesting word that uh, appears in the Bible and it's covenant. Covenant is a word that's rarely used today and um, it, it comes from the Latin means which is convere which means to come together and sometimes people think of covenants as something like a contract but it's not really. There was a, a man who wrote some very wise words about what a covenant actually is. He says a contract is the exchange and passing of property or possessions but a covenant is the exchange of persons. The contract says this is now yours. The covenant says I am now yours and that's the big difference. A contract can be changed or cancelled and promises that are made are only as good as the character of the people who sign their names at the bottom of them. So often they're broken. But a covenant is totally different. A covenant is far more than the exchange of property. It's the giving of a person's whole being to another person and the wholehearted receiving of another person back into his or her life. So unlike a contract, a covenant is unbreakable and unconditional. It's sealed by an oath or a promise, an undertaking, and often sealed in blood. And Phil, Phil will be talking a little bit more about that. The powerful statement that each of us is making when we undertake in a covenant is, I will keep this covenant even if my blood has to be shed in order to do so. And if I don't keep this covenant, may my blood be shed. So covenant creates a relationship rather than just a signature on a piece of paper. The Bible's got many stories of covenant and we're going to hear one of them in a moment. But in each of the covenant stories, the partners in those Bible times always called upon God, first of all, to be their witness of the truth of their words and also to be their strength in making sure that the covenant was kept, but to be an ever-present watch over the parties to ensure that the covenant was being kept. So there was always a third party in a covenant in biblical times. One of the covenants that is a beautiful story in the Old Testament is the story of David and Jonathan. And Phil's going to share that with you now. Thanks, Jean. So if a covenant is an unbreakable promise between two persons made in and guaranteed in blood, it's called a blood covenant. How was a covenant made? Well, there's a number of steps that you have to go through. The parties would take an animal. They would cut it down the middle and lay it on the ground in two halves. And then they would walk through the middle between the pieces. And then they would meet in the center, standing in the blood. And there they would speak the blessings and the cursings. So covenants are things which have blessings attached to them and also cursings. They would uh, describe, these are the things that I bring to you. My bank balance. I have a positive bank balance. I've got a big bank balance. Oh, but by the way, I have some enemies who hate me. So I'm going to bring some good things and some bad things. And the covenant means that you become the cover to my bad things and I become the, the offering to your need out of my good things. 
So what would we do? We'd exchange a belt. Why a belt? Because a belt is the place where you hang your sword. It speaks about your strength. And when I give you my belt, I'm saying, if ever you need strength, I'm there for you. And then I'd give you my coat. Why, why a coat? Well, a coat represents your position, your status in society. A good way to think about it is, say, a, a military coat, a man who has pips on his shoulders, and the number of pips tells you, tells you high up the, how high up the tree he is. And then they would also exchange a name. Why a name? Because the name is really about who you are. I'll give you one example from the Bible. A man called Abram made a covenant with God, and he became Abraham. The name of God, Yahweh, was put into his name, and he became the bearer of the name of God. And God became the friend of Abraham. And then we would cut our wrists, and we'd make a cut in the wrist, and we'd put our wrists together, or we'd hold our hands down and let the blood flow into the palms of the hands. This is where we get the idea of shaking hands, or holding up your hand when you make an oath. And that cut, that mark, was to remind you of the oath and the covenant that you've taken, and the mixing of the bloods means that you become one together in that promise. And then you'd end up by eating a meal together. And it would usually involve a cup of wine and a piece of bread. And as we stood there, I would feed the bread to you and you'd feed it to me. And I would give you the cup and I would take the cup. In some cultures, they even drop their blood into the cup because the cup speaks about life. And the bread speaks about the strength of life. And so we're sharing our life and our strength together. And then we would look down at the ground, at this, at this animal cut in two on either side of us, and we would say, may the Lord do to me, and more also, if I ever break this covenant. Now what about my children? I've made a covenant. What about them? Well, each of them can also enjoy that covenant. But it means they have to make a personal decision. It's not automatic. I'll tell you a story to explain this a little bit. These four characters, Jean has referred to David and Jonathan, but there were two other characters. There was Saul, the king, and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. Now Saul, he just, he just didn't seem to like God's ways. He was the king, God had made him king, but he broke God's commandments so readily and so early in his reign. In fact, he went so far away from God that he went to a witch to try and understand what God's will would be. He was not a representative of the goodness of God. And then there was Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul. He was of the family of Saul. But he didn't look like Saul. He didn't behave like Saul. He was very different to Saul. In fact, he had a heart after God. And then there was this man, David. David, the future king. He started off as a little shepherd boy. He was called into Saul's palace to play his harp, to calm Saul's spirit when Saul was really upset and bothered about things. But Saul hated him because he represented goodness and kindness. And several times he tried to throw a spear at him and pin him to the wall. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who desired God's word and loved it. Even in his late years, he had a heart to build a house for God. So, as the story goes, Saul hated David, tried to kill him. Jonathan loved David so much that they became best buddies. And in fact, they loved each other like brothers. 
and they made a covenant together. The Bible says, Then Jonathan cut a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped off his robe that he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt. There's that illustration of giving the coat of the princely coat was now was on David's back and the sword and the bow of this prince of the kingdom became the protection to David and in fact Jonathan did protect David's life but as the story goes on there was a war and Saul and Jonathan went to battle and they both died on the same day and now what happened well you see when kings died and another king was making a play for the throne they often killed all the family members and so the house of Saul and Jonathan was scared and there was a maid who grabbed up Mephibosheth Jonathan's son and ran out of the palace but on the way she dropped him on the stone flagstones of the castle of the of the palace and he broke his legs he was a cripple for the rest of his life but he was hiding because he knew if David could get hold of me he'll kill me one day David sitting in his palace he says to his servants is there anybody of the house of Saul that I can show mercy to for the sake of Jonathan nobody would tell him because they thought he's going to kill them but finally one servant said yes there is Mephibosheth is hiding in a place called Lodibar it's like a terrorist hangout because these are the people that are running away from David and hate him and so David says fetch him and off go the servants and they bring back Mephibosheth and he comes before David and he says something quite strange he says what does my Lord want with me his servant a dead dog why did he say a dead dog because he thought he was going to be killed and dead dogs in Israel were thrown on the trash heap but David looks at him with love and says to him it's not that way I have a covenant with your father and for the sake of that covenant I will give you back everything that you've lost you can have it all back again it's yours but this is decision time all the blessings would become Mephibosheth's but so would all the responsibilities never again could he plot against David never again could he take his name in vain never again could he side with the rebels he had to make a decision but remember also may the Lord do to me and more also if I should break this covenant Mephibosheth decided he would sit in on the covenant and thereafter he had free access to the table of David he could come to the king's house at any time he was deemed as a son of the king thanks Jim I think there are a lot of things in this story that we can equate with in our own lives or I can for sure some of the characters uh, Saul for example I can um, I feel I'm like Saul at times. He, he was a bit like the wicked king or the wicked queen in the fairy stories, except this wasn't a fairy story. And I don't really have to be a villain in a story to recognise that I've got some of Saul's traits within me. Because everything that Saul did and all the, thing, all the way he thought of himself was not uh, in God's interests. And I, when I live at a distance from God, when I'm not looking for God for guidance, looking to God for guidance, I start to show things like selfishness and envy and pride and anger. 
all the things that were in Saul's character are in mine when I keep God at a distance. So I start to think of God or I start to act as if God is my enemy and he's out to get me. And so I can see, I've been there, I can see there's Saul in me. And then I think of David. You know, David isn't like me or I'm not like David. Whenever David looked at the mark on his wrist, he remembered being in covenant, not only with Jonathan, but with every single member of the family of Jonathan who would ever be born from then on. It didn't matter what they were like. He was covenanted to be faithful to the whole family of Jonathan. As Phil said, he was this person, Mephibosheth, we're going to call him Mephi from now on, <laughs> Mephi, who was so against David. And yet for Jonathan's sake and for the sake of the covenant, David said, is there someone in the family who I can be good to and kind to for the sake of this covenant? And from here on, he said, I'm going to treat Mephi as if he was Jonathan himself. I want to treat Mephi as one of my own children and you'll sit at my table and you'll be one of my family. He said, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore you and to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat at my table continually. This is to a man who was against him. David doesn't reveal the character of me. He reveals the character of God to me. He'd made a covenant with the human race as well, God, and God will keep it forever. And it doesn't matter what sort of character I am or Mephi is or Phil is, God will always keep his part in the covenant. And then there's Jonathan in the story. In my mind, Jonathan represents Jesus. Jonathan was bonded by love. He was covenanted to David and to David's family. He was covenanted to the family that Saul hated. Jesus is covenanted by love to all humans. Just before Jesus was crucified, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And so he made a covenant with us, even though in many ways we were the enemies of God, he still made a covenant. We can enjoy all the rights that Jesus has in God's family. We are heirs to God through Jesus and through the covenant he made, even though we behave as if we, could, as if we hate him. Our hate, our disobedience, our total disregard of God is covered by Jesus on our behalf through that new covenant. There's a lovely story in the New Testament about somebody called the prodigal son. And it's a story of a father who is longing for his son to came, come back. And his son has really done some hateful things to his dad. But the dad is looking for him. And it says, while he was a long way off, the dad saw his boy and he came running to him, even though the boy didn't deserve any forgiveness or love. But he had a covenant with that boy. We're a long way off quite often. We're enemies of God. But Jesus says to God, through my covenant with humans, I represent them. 
and it doesn't matter what they're like, God, what they've done, I'm their representative. Look at me instead. He intercedes for us, just like Jonathan pleaded for David's life to be spared several times to his dad. Then there's Mephi. Mephi is like me because I feel, remember how Mephi had fallen or had been dropped and he was crippled? I feel like we're crippled, I'm crippled like Mephi. And yet I'm being shown kindness. I'm being shown kindness by a covenant that was made before I was even born. A covenant that before I became a Christian, I didn't even know about. I played no part in setting up that new covenant, like Mephi had no part in the covenant between Jonathan and David. Mephi wasn't treated on the basis of his track record of loyalty to David, because he had none. He wasn't treated or judged um, on anything about his own character. He was only judged and treated on the basis of that covenant between his dad Jonathan and David. And we are treated on the basis of the covenant that Jesus has set up. But like Phil said, when Mephi was, was confronted with that free gift of, of life and abundance and protection, he did have a decision to make. He had to accept the terms of the covenant to enter into it. It meant that he had to give up everything that he'd believed in before, all his old allegiances, his way of life, which probably was pretty crappy anyway, um, his dreams and his habits, all of those he had to renege to say, I'm going to now live by this covenant. He'd have to die to everything that he'd ever been up to until this moment. And he had to rise again from that death and become a prince in the royal house, have a totally new life. You might have heard about Christians being called born-again Christians. That's what that means, just dying to the things that you believed in and lived by before you willingly entered into the covenant with Jesus. It sounds like a pretty easy decision for Mephi because he lived a, a sort of sad, lonely existence. But he also had to enter into this covenant to allow the covenant to change his life forever. Um, so he didn't just say, well, thanks. He had to say, thanks, I will now stop doing what I'm doing and be a new, different person. You know, we were born 2,000 years after that new covenant was made. And we were born into the human race and crippled by the lies so that we had a distorted image of, of an angry, vengeful God. And we never knew that his love was towards us, just like Mephi never knew that David was loving towards Mephi. We were ignorant of the covenant. We lived out there in our own wilderness. But do you know what? God never gave up looking for us. And when he found us, like Mephi, we believed that we would hear words of anger from God. But instead, I was stunned by the words of love and forgiveness and by the fact that my track record of rebellion and disobedience and disregard have been forgiven forever. Amen. Thanks, Phil. Thank you, Jim. 
as with all the other videos in this series, there's a discussion guide that comes with it and you'll have an opportunity to just go over what we've talked about in this video with your mentor. And um, just please make sure that you um, think seriously about all the things that you might have to do to enter into this covenant, to accept this covenant and how your life will change because of it. And I, I really pray that God will bless you and that you will truly accept this amazing, wonderful, gracious gift of covenant with our beautiful, loving God. Thank you.